Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka, welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender based violence. Joining us in studio today in Pretoria is the High Commissioner of India to South Africa, as well as the Kingdom of Lesotho, Ms. Ruchira Kamboj who joined the Indian Foreign Service in 1987, celebrating three decades of service this year. Her career has included postings to France, Mauritius, New York, London, as well as South Africa. She has represented India in the United Nations, UNESCO, as well as embassies. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. We are happy to have you here, and I believe that you are no stranger to South Africa in your official capacity. First in 1997 on a state visit, then again serving as India's Consul General in Cape Town between 2006 to 2009, and now as High Commissioner of India to the Republic of South Africa and Lesotho. Can you share with us a little bit more about what your role entails in your capacity as High Commissioner? Yes, thank you very much, Doctor. Uh, needless to say, I'm delighted to be uh, here in this very special show. Um, which really celebrates women, I think, which I think is wonderful. Uh, as far as my role here as the High Commissioner of India to South Africa is concerned, um, uh, my work is to grow the relationship between our two countries uh, to the benefit of our two countries and people, as well as to look for new opportunities where we can develop uh, new synergies, again, to the benefit of our two countries and people. And when you look at that in terms of benefits, are we talking culture, are we talking trade, uh, political aspects? Yes, we're talking all of that and more. Uh, when I talk about growing the relationship, uh, you engage at the very highest levels uh, between the two countries. So there has been a very regular exchange of visits between the President of South Africa and the Prime Minister of India, including the Prime Minister of India's visit last year to South Africa. We're talking, of course, of trade and commerce and investment, and I'm happy to say that this is a fairly robust partnership. We're talking about cultural exchanges, very substantive exchanges, as in training, skills, capacity building, uh, Indians going to South Africa on exchange and South Africans going to India, which actually happens quite a lot. We're talking about science for development. We're talking about a defense engagement. We're talking about people-to-people -people contacts. Uh, as you know, uh, South Africa has among the largest diasporas, close to two million. And um, I think this is also a very strong link, a very strong thread that links our two countries together. So when I talk about growing uh, the relationship to the benefit of our two countries and people, I'm talking about the entire gamut, political, economic, culture, trade, science, defense, people, and much, much more. It sounds like it's going to be a very full portfolio. Are there any particular milestones that you want to accomplish during your tenure? Well, since the question is so specific, I think I can be specific also. Um, I think uh, it will be the effort and endeavor of me and my team to grow the economic and commercial uh, partnership uh, in these three years that I am going to be here and to double it in the next five years, as was set out in the joint declaration that was uh, uh, released 
upon conclusion of the state visit of the Prime Minister of India to South Africa in 2016. Well, uh, that is a wonderful task. And when I look at the, in terms of populations, I mean, already India, 1.3 billion people. That's right. Compared to South Africa's 52, I think we're up to 54 million. Yes. Paltry right. in comparison, but uh, that's, that's a fantastic opportunity to double. One of the things that has struck me is that in our world today, we operate in such a globally connected society. Can you expand on some of the more significant collaborations or projects that you're working on with your counterparts in other countries in Africa? Yes, indeed. Um, If you look at Africa, uh, there is um, a great need, if I may say so, to enhance skills and uh, uh, to enhance the training and the skills of uh, the people of this continent. So to that end, uh, the government of India runs uh, a program called the Indian uh, Technical and Economic Cooperation Program, not just in South Africa, but across all the countries in Africa, me and my colleagues uh, uh, work on this program, which is completely sponsored by the government of India, uh, taking South Africans, uh, using a South African context, to India, about 80 to 100 slots uh, to India, uh, skilling them, training them in sectors uh, uh, where uh, this will be beneficial to the country. And uh, let me tell you something. When these young men and ladies uh, come back to South Africa, I've met some of them already in these three months, and they say that this has been the most incredible experience, game-changing. One, not only do they acquire the skill set, two, they engage and understand the culture of another country and serve thereby as, you know, uh, bridge builders between our two countries. And third, and very interestingly, they, when they go to India and train, they train in an environment where there are many other African colleagues. So they develop a network with African colleagues when they come back to South Africa, and they say that this is really a hugely uh, fulfilling and rewarding experience. So you train, you skill, you build a network, and you uh, understand and engage with the country, and thereby you build bridges of friendship and understanding. So I think this is something me and my colleague ambassadors across Africa engage actively in, and I think uh, and I hope that this program will continue to grow and be useful too. South Africa and Africans. I'm sure it will be. It sounds fantastic. And all of those collaborative efforts, as well as the sustained effects, not just in terms of the skills, but the networking, which will happen and last a lifetime, as networks do. There seems to be an increasing feminization of government services around the world and a strong emergence of female diplomats. And I know if you look at your your colleagues in South Africa, there's an abundance of lady ambassadors and high commissioners. In your opinion, why do you think this is? Well, to be very honest, you know, I feel that, you know, every thought process has a time. And to my mind, this is really the time for women. And and, uh, uh, as they say, this is an idea whose time has come. And that is why possibly you're seeing so much of this. uh, We're talking more about uh, empowerment. We are talking more about uh, women, equality of women. And we're seeing more and more women in in public life and indeed doing fantastic jobs, uh, no matter what sector this is. And you've had an opportunity to work in many different countries, uh, which are 
some more progressive to an extent and others to a lesser extent regarding women's empowerment. In Based on your observations, which ones do you think are more effectively addressing gender inequalities and what lessons could we possibly take from them to ensure that more countries get onto the right path? Well, let me give you the example of my own country, India. And uh, just to highlight that uh, India really has uh, come out very strongly uh, in the forefront uh, as far as uh, women and uh, uh, empowerment of women is concerned. Just two very quick examples, if I may. Number one, we have a flagship program of the government of India, which is Educate the Girl Child, Save the Girl Child. This was launched by the Prime Minister of India in 2014-2015, and this program really has been a game-changer. So uh, across the country, uh, you're spreading the good word, uh, spreading information, creating awareness. Um, you know, you have appointed, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, role models who are going out and spreading the message. And I think this is really making a huge difference because it's also important to talk. Uh, talking should not be underestimated. And I think that uh, this program is a wonderful flagship program of the government, which talks about the issue and which actions also on ground. And number two, let me tell you something that is very contextual. In rural India, uh, we had identified that many girls dropped out of school simply because the schools in rural areas did not have adequate infrastructure for girls, as in toilets. Now, for many developed countries, this may seem absurd, but in a developing country context, if uh, after a certain age there aren't toilets in schools, then girls invariably drop out. So in the last two, three years, there was a massive campaign, and there have been, I can't even tell you the numbers, there have been so many toilets that have been constructed that actually the dropout rate of girls in the rural areas has come down considerably. So that is another example of how uh, targeting a weakness, you can really bring, out, bring about a significant improvement in, 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 a, uh, in, in a situation that you face on the ground. Then in my own country, I mean, uh, I must add that uh, we have so many women in leading positions. Uh, the defense minister of India is a woman. The foreign minister of India is a woman. The information and broadcasting minister of uh, India is a woman. The Speaker of our uh, uh, Parliament, the Lok Sabha, is a lady. We've had a former uh, president who's been a lady, a prime minister who's been a lady. So, you know, you have it on both fronts, the negatives and the positives. The negatives are important because you have to highlight the problem and then you attack the problem. The positives, the role models are equally important because that is when you can actually, through inspiration, change mm. uh, mindsets. And besides all of the leadership roles that you've mentioned in your country, I mean, we've also got, uh, is, it's Indra Noy from yes, PepsiCo. Yes, so yes, yes. it just so shows actually, that it yes. goes globally and not just contained on a national and, level. And you have named just one of them. She's very, very well known, Indra Nooyi, but there are many other hugely successful women entrepreneurs doing a marvelous job and uh, somehow making it all happen. The millions of roles that women play, they are playing them all very successfully. They are absolutely wonderful mm -hmm. women in India. And whilst we're on the topic of role models, I think that female role models are really important in society because they're sources of 
influence in the way that women perceive themselves, sure. but also how they identify and understand what opportunities are available to them. And I think almost more importantly, I would say it is how men perceive women, because in the past with leadership roles, they've been traditionally occupied by men. And when you see a man as, as the image, you think that that is the, the, the type of persona yes, that should yes. occupy those roles. Absolutely. But when you can see women achieving this, I think that it has great uh, foundations for both men totally. and I women. agree with you, absolutely. So I understand that there are a couple of things that are fairly topical. One, there is a travelling photograph exhibition called Women Changing India, which highlights the vital role that women play in India today. And I believe they were in Johannesburg in October yes. and are, are going around the world. Can yes, you yes, tell yes. us more? No, I think uh, you're absolutely right. This is a wonderful uh, uh, initiative. Uh, this has been sponsored by Bong Pariba. And uh, I commend and congratulate them for taking up uh, uh, such a topical cause. This exhibition is currently playing in Johannesburg. Uh, I inaugurated it on the 30th of October. I was delighted to do so. As I said, uh, this was one event that I could not have resisted. Uh, this is a, a photography, a traveling photography exhibition, Magnum Photography. So you can imagine the quality and the images are absolutely amazing. Uh, this exhibition has, of course, uh, played out in India, in Europe. It's now come to South Africa, and I believe that after South Africa, it will move to the Middle East, to Bahrain. Uh, what is really uh, very unique about this exhibition, as you rightly say, it highlights the vital role that women play in Indian society. Uh, these are not celebrities or famous people. These are people just like you and me, anybody who has excelled and the many, many roles that we play. You could be a doctor, you could be an engineer, you could be just a um, movie maker, you could be a broadcaster, you could be a diplomat, you could be just a very uh, enterprising entrepreneur at a very basic level. So you're showcasing women uh, uh, in their various shades. And these could be rural women. These are modern women. These are city slickers. So it shows the various shades of Indian women. And what a long journey we have come. It's been a long way. And today, how well some of us are doing. And tomorrow, I'm confident that uh, given uh, the chances, the opportunities, uh, the great work that is being done by everybody concerned, it won't be long before I think times will hopefully change. I couldn't agree with you more. And another example is of the all-women India crew who were sailing the naval vessel Tarini. Successfully in their first leg, they navigated 5,000 nautical miles in 42 days to Australia. And I believe the ladies will be making their way through to Cape Town for the second leg, but only reaching us in February 2018. Can you tell us more about some of the objectives for undertaking this epic journey? Yes, I think, um, I think this is truly an incredible feat and needs to be highlighted. These young ladies, six sailors, average age of 26, are circumnavigating the globe. They were flagged off uh, from Goa, India, in October by India's defense minister, also a woman, and uh, they will be uh, touching four shores. They have already touched Australian shores. They are on their way to New Zealand. 
Falklands, and finally Cape Town, South Africa, as you mentioned, circumnavigating the globe in just 165 days. Very exacting standards, and they are out to create history. I think this needs to be highlighted. There is enormous symbolism here, and we are walking the talk, actually, and we are so proud that it is to India that this onus falls, that six young women are creating history. Now, these are young women drawn from various walks of life, None of them are from particularly privileged backgrounds. Um, they have worked their way to where they are. And that is, I think, such an important message. They exemplify the grit and determination of the modern Indian women. They remind us that gender does not define potential. And they, I think, underscore the fact that nothing is impossible for a woman. So we're very proud of this feet, if I may say so, and we are greatly looking forward to welcoming them to Cape Town. Uh, we will get them to engage with various personalities, of course, but what I would really like is for them to engage with young girls, school students, so that, you know, um, they serve uh, to remind uh, these young girls, as you said, you know, who have got so used to seeing a man doing certain jobs that no, women too can do these jobs. And uh, as I always say, the secret weapon is that this sailing ship, the Tarini, the mast of the ship was made by Southern Spars Cape Town. So India and South Africa are bonded in this very remarkable voyage. That ties totally into all of the, the cultural aspects that yes, you're doing as part of so. your role of combining the two societies, linking them closer together. And I think also on the diaspora aspect, not just of Indian women doing it for, for themselves in India, but in terms of all the different ports that Absolutely. they visit to yes. demonstrate what women can do for, uh, for those different uh, unique communities. Absolutely. You are listening to Womanity, Woman and Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective on frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band. And we're talking to the High Commissioner of India to South Africa and Lesotho, Ms. Ruchira Gamboj. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. You are listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective on frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band. Also available on DSTV channel 802. Today we're talking to the High Commissioner of India to South Africa and Lesotho, Ruchira Gamboj. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. In the previous segment of the show, the High Commissioner spoke about uh, the complexities of her role in terms of addressing specifically economic aspects as well as cultural aspects, partnering with bilateral partnering with bilateral relations between the different countries that she's uh, working with, South Africa, Lesotho, and obviously India. We spoke about the importance of role modeling, reflected on some of the key activities that are underway with India, for example, the photograph exhibition called Woman Changing India, as well as the all-female Indian crews sailing the naval vessel, Tarini. High Commissioner, whilst we're talking about gender, one of the things which 
struck me, and I have to say, unfortunately, is that very recently the World Economic Forum released their latest global gender gap report for 2017. It monitors equality gaps across four different dimensions. So one is economic participation and opportunity, two, educational attainment, three, health and survival, and fourth, political empowerment. Although the educational gap is is closing and I'm really pleased to see that, that it will be 13 years and you, for instance, mentioned the, the flagship program in India about educating girls. Since the 2016 report, the overall gap, though, is increasing and one of the principles of weakness are within the economic space and the political space, <coughs> which at this rate is expected to close at 217 years and 99 years respectively. None of us are going to be around if that <laughs> happens in that time frame. Legislation and, and quotas are a couple of interventions to accelerate progress, but they've been in place, but yet we're not seeing the traction. In your opinion, what do you think we can do to help close those gaps more effectively? Sure. Well, you know, first of all, I'd like to make uh, the point that change doesn't come easy and change doesn't come as quick as we would like change to happen. Um, let's not forget that women have been held back for centuries. So <clears throat> to turn the clock around, it is going to take time. It is an enormous task and it's not going to be so easy because all of us are at varying levels of development. Also, I would like to emphasize that, you know, change is not linear. Change can be zigzag. It can be two steps forward, one, steps, one step back. So let's give this time even as we are at it. And, and, and the second point that I would uh, like to make is this whole thing about statistics and figures. Of course, statistics and figures are very critical and they are revealing to an extent. But sometimes, uh, you know, the subtle nuances are not caught by the statistics. Uh, let me give you a very basic example. And again, I will turn to my own country, India, just to demonstrate that change is round the corner. Uh, you know, in India, sometimes there are matrimonials inserted into newspapers, you know, um, where I think um, quite often still, you know, boys look for girls, you know. Now, if you really look at those advertisements, I would say 90% ask for a working woman. A working woman? Working woman. You know, there are various your, things your you criteria. can set out. Your criteria. Yes. Who would you like as a spouse? I would say 90% now demand and ask and s prefer a working girl. So isn't that itself a sign of the changing times? So none of this will be caught by statistics. So change is happening. It is round the corner. It is slow. It is not linear. Several times, you you know, there's an incredible story to tell, like Tarini. And there are sometimes not good stories to tell. That's how it happens. So I would say the picture is not dismal. It's not as abysmal as the statistics make them out to be. I think that change is happening. It'll take time. And a lot of it is there. Scratch the surface and you see that it is happening all the time. So... Um, Let's be at it. That's my message. Let's continue the good job. Let's continue this beautiful journey. Um, 
point well taken and the challenge also when they aggregate statistics you can have very low performing countries which pull down the performance of the top performers yeah and if i may add you know for example uh, in india today i think especially the younger generation let's talk about the younger generation the future belongs to them i do not know many or any younger generation of indian women who would not like to do anything with their lives every parent of this younger generation wants to educate the girl child wants to give her a chance and opportunity to soar to fly which is why you see these incredible performers in india as i said the crew of tarini the average age is just 26 Very in young. a sector where hitherto only men have dared so i think the world is changing certainly india is changing very rapidly and the younger generation that we talk about including in the rural areas everybody wants to get out there study work emancipate and live an equal life not turning more towards a personal perspective you've held diverse roles in different countries including being india's chief protocol deputy head of the office of secretary general at the commonwealth secretariat in london counselor to india's permanent mission to the united nations in new york between 2002 to 2005 where you dealt with a wide range of political issues including un peacekeeping un security council reform first secretary for economic and commercial aspects and head of chancery at the indian high commission in mauritius these are not conventionally female roles how do you think women occupying roles of leadership influence firstly younger women to consider non-typical positions as viable career options and secondly to help overcome the stereotypical thinking that society has in terms of what roles it considers women should occupy and what they can accomplish yeah i think that's an excellent question and it's a very important question i do believe that you know in this journey it is very very important to highlight the negatives and the positives uh, the negatives of course because you cannot tackle a problem till you bring it out and uh, bring it out in the open and then you go about focusing and finding solutions but we are not talking about negatives i think now we are talking about positives the positives are equally important and this is where i think women achievers women who are um you know who have um, uh, pushed the boundaries it is very very important to uh, bring out uh, uh, these examples in the public eye so that as you yourself said at the outset of the program young girls you know who have got so used to over a period in time to seeing just men occupy those positions mm-hmm. can imagine themselves as doing those jobs one day so the importance of uh, role models and positive images the symbolism is absolutely critical and i think we should do more of it we should do both the negatives and the positives as we continue in our journey we need more tarinis yes we need more tarinis and i'm sure india will produce many more as will the world yes can you share with us a little bit about some of the gender challenges that you've experienced and have managed to overcome during your career well i will be honest here uh, there could be biases uh, there could be assumptions about the roles that women can play um and i really believe that you know there goes a saying that you have to work twice as hard to be considered half as good so um 
let me give you one tiny example. When I was given the position of Chief of Protocol of the Government of India, uh, which was hitherto only a male bastion, so uh, there was this assumption, can you do this job? Uh, would you be able to keep the long hours? And uh, it's a very tough job. So would you be able to do it? And uh, I said, of course. And ironically, and I salute her, the person who picked me for the job was a lady. She was the Foreign Secretary of India at that time. And she had the vision and she felt that time had come for a lady to don this mantle and, and uh, to just do a very good job. And uh, I often find that there are assumptions made about women uh, that, you know, a woman cannot do a tough job. A woman cannot keep long hours. And what I say is, sure, it could be the case uh, in cases of certain women, but that is entirely their prerogative. But do not assume that for women in general. Let Give them a chance and let them prove themselves. And let me give you a very tiny example. Um, I stepped down from that job when I was posted as ambassador to UNESCO in 2014, April. And within a month, I was recalled again to Delhi to organize the entire protocol and logistics of the prime minister's swearing-in ceremony where approximately 10 heads of state and government had come in. So I went down and did that job, and I returned to Paris to assume my uh, job as ambassador to UNESCO. And just saying it, I mean, since you've asked me the question, uh, the media ran several stories, and the gist was that she was called because she was the toughest and the best. So I rest my case. Fantastic. And it goes back to that whole point on, on assumptions, never, never assume. Yes. Don't assume. Let the, give the woman a chance let her decide whether she wants to do that so-called tough job or not. And I think that also talks to the fact that as as humans, we have these preconditioned yes. ideas of what people can do, and absolutely. we box them into these little yeah. nice pigeonholes, pigeonholes absolutely. which in reality is not the case at all. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you totally. And on that vein, what would be your advice to women who find themselves torn between traditional culture expectations so what I mean by that is apart from having the opportunities in place of wanting to advance excel have a career we also have to contend with the issue of, of being mothers of raising families yeah, and so that does provide tension and also a conflict no absolutely I couldn't agree more with you I think many women all of us have been torn apart. We've been wrenched between, um, you know, the office and uh, the home front. And uh, this is undeniable. Um, and, you know, we play various roles, as you say. We are professionals. We are uh, wives. Uh, we are mothers. And every time uh, you play less of a role in any of these areas, it takes a toll in your life. So that is the eternal conflict. It's not going to be easy going forward. But what I would say is that each woman has to find that balance, that golden balance in her life. And that balance is different for every woman. It's different from me to you and further on. So I think the key is that even as you do all this, 
find that balance in your life and it is for you to decide what that balance is yes no one else can because as you say we're all unique yes absolutely one of the questions that i ask all my guests on the show who've made tremendous achievements uh, within their respective fields of expertise is about the factors that they consider to have contributed to their success some people speak about hard work others talk about perseverance or or particular people who've had an impact on them can you share with us what have been some of the key drivers that you consider have contributed to your success i think it's very simple um have a dream that's 50% of the journey and then it's very simple after that just work hard work hard and you will get lucky work hard and you will get lucky i think that's going to be my new um meme for <laughs> for the moment <laughs> Can you please share with us some of the pivotal moments in your life growing up? Yes, definitely. I see looking back, uh, I think there was this very pivotal moment in my life. I uh, lost my father when I was 16. I was very young and uh through my grief and pain, um I saw my mother's uh, grief and pain and I was uh, absolutely determined to not let her down. And uh It was actually simple for me because she had already given me the dream much before. Uh the dream to be what I do today. And I just had to work hard. And um I think that was the turning po- uh, point moment in my life when I saw my mother's grief and uh I had this um what should I say the compassion in me that I will not let my mother down. I think that was the turning point moment. The dream was already there. I'm grateful to her for that. And as I said, I just had to work hard. And by God's grace, I did make it. <laughs> you have indeed. And I mean, you've had a wonderful career thus far. Thank you. Can you share with us what influenced you during your your years of of growing up? You know, um this might sound cliched, but uh it has to be my mother. I am a single parent child. and uh <clears throat> i have been greatly influenced by my mother's strength simplicity and honesty strength simplicity and honesty and, uh, i would like to believe that i embody all of that i think those are wonderful values to have and to perpetuate and lastly as we close out the conversation today could you share a few words of wisdom or inspiration that you'd like to impart to young women listening to us yeah you know i honestly feel that you know women think that they are vulnerable and women think sometimes maybe that they are weak but my message to all of you is that you are not you are very strong you are very powerful Have you ever thought of yourself as an influencer? You are a mother, you are a sister, you are a daughter, you are a wife. Now look at it very closely. Nobody influences a child more than the mother. And as the child, let's say the boy in this case, as he grows up, perhaps the biggest influence on him as he grows up is his sister's love. So you women out there you have incredible power. You can change, you can influence 
you can change the way men look at this world. You can teach them to respect you and other women. And I can assure you that change will come. Within decades, you'll see this change. So my message to all women out there is you are very strong. You are very powerful. You are an influencer. And if all of us out there play our own tiny role in influencing society and men, I think we'll have a different world. And very soon, change doesn't take very long to happen if all of us use this power. What a wonderful, empowering message. We've got that power within to influence not just ourselves, our environments and the other people who matter to us in our lives. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure having you on our show and we wish you all the very best of luck in the forthcoming three years of your tenure. Yes, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be in your show and I look forward to seeing you, needless to say, in South Africa during the course of my tenure here. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to the High Commissioner of India to South Africa and Lesotho, Ms. Ruchira Gamboj. Mm-hmm.